Thanks, Rachel. Barada, good morning. What a beautiful day it is. And I'm going to be talking about suffering. <laughs> the title for this morning is uh, Journey Through the Wall. And uh, it's a bit different than uh, the way I would normally um, do a talk, do a preach. Um, I'm going to be doing the passages, the scripture at the end. Normally, I'd do that near the start. And uh, I love talking about hope. I love talking about the hope that, uh, that Jesus gives us, that God provides us. And I hope today you can see there's hope in this talk as well that I'm giving you. But there's also a good dose of, uh, of truth and, uh, and things that we can't avoid as we go on our journey uh, walking with Jesus. So as I said, the, the title for this is Journey Through the Wall. And uh, you've probably heard the phrase, or maybe even used it yourself. I know there's a, at least one runner here. Uh, and you've maybe heard or used the phrase, I've hit the wall. I've hit the wall. But what does that mean when people say it? Oh, we hear it. What, do, what does that mean? Well, you're not going to tell me by the look of it, so I better get some other way of finding out. So I'm going to uh, ask Rachel to put on a, a clip for us. You maybe, if you've seen the uh, the film Run, Fat Boy, Run, uh, I can relate to that a lot. Um, you maybe remember this this part of the film, remember this part of the clip, but I'll let it play now. Mr. Dorsa. Oh, <laughs> I am Mr. Coach. Oh, oh, really? Uh, what's your name? Uh, uh, Mr. Coach, that's the Ash. Coach. Oh, okay, just call me John. Take <laughs> 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 off me, would you? I want his potential. <laughs> 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 I can't breathe. My head's gonna explode. Hey, Super, I don't care. I, I have to stop. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can't. What are you doing? You can't stop. You're nearly there. What? I wish further. It, 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 it's a little tiny nine miles. security guard running for the last ten and three quarter hours on basically one leg is refusing to rest until this race is run. Unbelievable.
don't believe this. Okay, thanks, Rachel. Now, I know it's a bit of Hollywood, um, run for by run, but one of the things I really liked about when he hit that, that wall was he looked around and everyone else had gone. He was on his own. There was nobody else there. And hitting the wall, I believe, means gone as far as you can go, that you've got absolutely nothing left. I'm done. I'm exhausted. I'm a mess, or I can't take any more. Any or all these phrases are appropriate when you apply them to a spiritual life as well. That was obviously about running, and that's the uh, metaphor that's used with, with sport, with running when you hit the wall. But I believe that we can go through this as well, and we will go through this as well with our spiritual life. It's well known that what is called the wall, or what St. John of the Cross called the dark night of the soul, is part of our journey as followers of Jesus. The wall is one of the least often preached about aspects of spiritual life. I suspect it's because it's something we don't really want to hear about. There are two primary reasons why people embark upon following Jesus. The first reason, one we all begin with in a way, is have a place to stand, to know what is right and wrong, which way is up, which way is down, who is in and who is out. The other reason is to be saved and know God. I know we all start out on the spiritual journey thinking that when that we're seeking God, and in some small way, we all are. But 20 years down the road, you can tell who is seeking security and righteousness and inness and who is seeking God. The first group will have either lost their faith entirely or else will have grown increasingly rigid, increasingly harsh with themselves and with others and increasingly legalistic. The second group, those who are seeking God, most likely will have grown in faith, grown in love, grown in ways that have expanded them and not shrunk them down. The only way this can happen is if a person hits the wall and goes through it. The wall separates the men from the boys, so to speak, in terms of spiritual life. The wall is out there for every person of faith. It's waiting for you. It's not a question of whether you will hit the wall. It's only a question of when and what will bring you through it. It's different for everybody, but you nearly always come to the wall as a result of something happening to you that seems too big for your faith. In other words, you arrive at the wall through a crisis of some kind. It's not like the word trial, you know, somebody parks in your parking space or I've had a bit of a cold the last couple of weeks, you know, it's been a bit of a trial for me. No, the wall is something much more substantial than that. Maybe it comes about through divorce. Maybe it comes about through job loss. Maybe it comes about through death of a close friend or, or family member, diagnosis with cancer or other terminal disease. A betrayal maybe, a shattered dream, maybe a wayward child or, or even a car accident. Maybe it's an inability to get pregnant or a deep desire to marry that remains unfilled. The list could go on. It will vary from person to person, but what happens in this moment of crisis 
is that we discover for the first time that our faith doesn't appear to work. We maybe have more questions than answer, and the very foundation of our faith feels like it's on the line. We don't know where God is, what he's doing, where he's going, how he's getting us there, or when it will all be over. The wall shakes us to the core. When you're at the wall, you'll question everything you ever believed in. You'll wonder if it's a put-on or perhaps wishful thinking. You may continue doing all the same things you did before, praying, going to church, but something has changed. Instead of connecting you to God, these activities now seem to alienate you further. Everyone around you seems so sure, so confident. You feel like a heretic. You wonder if you even have faith at all anymore and if there's a reason to. Some of you have been to the wall before and you know that what I'm saying is true. Some of you have not been to the wall and you're probably busy right now trying to think of ways of trying to avoid hitting that wall. Maybe if you learn lots of Bible verses, you can avoid it. Maybe if you get really close to God, it won't happen. Maybe if you go into counseling or start meeting with more mature believers, you can keep it from happening. But my friends, I assure you, there is simply no escaping the wall. Everyone will hit the wall because the wall is a mathematical certainty. It's an equation born out of your choices. Combined with something you cannot choose. Here it is. The wall equals faith plus human suffering. You cannot choose to suffer in this life. That is not your choice. And there's nothing you can do to avoid it. People will strive after money and all those other things to try and avoid suffering. But you can't avoid it. But you make a choice whether or not to be a person of faith. If you choose to be a person of faith, you have to place your faith in something. The wall is what results when the size of your suffering exceeds the size of your faith. This is part of the journey. I mean, the only thing you can place your faith in is what you're capable of grasping at any given moment. And before you've suffered deeply, you're simply not capable of grasping very much. Suffering expands our ability to comprehend. Suffering rounds us. Suffering tests us. And it deepens of us. Suffering helps us see what matters and what doesn't. And it's not enough to merely know that suffering exists and that other people suffer. The suffering that brings you to the wall is always personal suffering. Robert Raw defines suffering as what happens when you cannot bring about the result that you want in your life. Basically, you have no control at all. You cannot make someone love you. You cannot escape your newly diagnosed disease. You cannot make your child stop sleeping around or taking drugs. You cannot make your spouse treat you with respect. You cannot undo what happened in the car accident or the fire or the cuts at the company. 
You cannot bring a, uh, back a loved one you have lost. You cannot keep from losing him or her to this disease. You cannot find meaning in your job or your current life situation. Somewhere along the road, you come to a loss so deep, so dramatic, and so forceful that God starts seeming too small for it. Surely not even God can manage this. And if God can manage it, why didn't God keep it from happening to begin with? Why did that person have to die? Why did you end up being the one to get cancer? Why won't your children make better choices? What does this mean about you as a parent or as a Christian or as a husband or wife, employee, father or mother? What does it mean about God as a loving father and a nurturing mother? The question seems endless and they pound you resentlessly, relentlessly. Scripture no longer seems to help. Prayer seems weak and ineffective. The counsel of your friends seems shallow and worthless. No one understands and you feel completely alone. That, my friends, is the wall. Everyone will suffer. That's not a choice that's left to us. But not all will choose to trust God. The wall is what happens when suffering comes and is so intense and so enlarged that you can no longer see God, can no longer see his presence, sense his presence, and where you eventually become unsure whether you even care. And you've got three options. You can either give up, you can either shrink back, or you can journey on. If you choose to be a person of faith, then you can only, you're only responsible to the wall in one of three ways. First, to abandon faith entirely. You can decide, and some do, to just give up on the whole idea of God. Second, you can regress. The wall is such a scary and exhausting place to be that when a person hits it, some people will choose to shrink back into black and white platitudes. These people can only become increasingly legalistic, judgmental, and harsh with themselves and others since they've chosen not to integrate God into a view of life that openly acknowledges suffering and hardship. And any view of God that excludes suffering of hardship ultimately will be rigid and cruel. The third option when you hit the wall is to summon your courage, draw deep, deeply on your faith, even when it means questioning it for a time, and to journey forward through the wall. Those of you who know me here, most of you maybe will see me as some cheerful, incredibly attractive, talented, 30-something kind of guy. I'm obviously joking. Ah, <laughs> oh, bless him with a big stick. <laughs> and you're probably thinking, well, this guy's never, never been to the wall, you know. And uh, just to tell you a little bit about, about myself, to say that I have, is um, I suppose I spent my teenage lives as a, I was convinced atheist. I'd been uh, expelled from school on a number of occasions, I'm afraid to say. And I came out with uh, three, um, I hesitate to call them GCSEs, some qualifications anyway. I'd failed to get an apprenticeship, which was what I'd hoped for at the age of 16. 
Uh, but by some miracle, I was let into a sixth form college. I still to this don't know, this day, I don't know how I managed it, but I did, and I thank God for that. And here I had my perceptions and worldviews challenged by the reality and lives of a small group of ordinary but Jesus-following fellow students. And I gave my life to following Jesus during that time. Over the next 12 months at uh, that college, I retook and got five more GCSEs and passed four A-levels, went off to higher education. Becoming a Jesus follower had an immediate and obvious effect on my life. And I was loving it. It was great. Over the next 20 years, I got married to an incredible lady. I had four great kids. I'd been fast-tracked towards educational management. I was this assistant head teacher in a large high school. I was also a youth pastor and set up a new church, youth work, which is really going well. Loads of kids coming in from unchurched backgrounds and finding Jesus. We were involved in an amazing church project with a great bunch of friends, and I felt we were really beginning to impact the town. During that time, I felt God was calling me to devote more time to this adventure, and I gave up my career path so that I could make sure that the the work I was involved with there could continue and help lead on this new center we were building in the heart of the community. All was good, and then it wasn't. It was 2009 at the start of it, literally, a dear friend of ours uh, who had worked closely with in a lot of these projects died suddenly. I think uh, Karen mentioned her a couple of weeks ago. And then over that next year, and I won't go into details about it, but uh, things changed. We lost our pastor at the church. We lost virtually all our close friends, certainly our church community, our house. We ended up having to move. And the dream of the project that we felt was just beginning to impact our community for Jesus was gone. I looked back as well and saw my career had gone. And it was gutting. Where are you, God? Why? I was angry that God had neither either prevented this stuff to begin with or at least grown me enough so that I could deal with it. Why didn't God make this easier? I was angry that I couldn't stop what I saw as a disaster from happening. Don't get me wrong. I loved God to the best of my ability. I desired with all my heart to know God and be led by God, to serve God and be a godly man. But nothing in my life, nothing in my experience up until then, nothing in my understanding had prepared me for that time. Nothing could have. I had hit the wall. I had no control. My suffering had exceeded my faith, and it happened almost overnight. I kept praying, reading the Bible, but it just wasn't working. I had so many questions, and the simple answer, have faith, wasn't good enough. I felt like I didn't have faith, and worst of all, like I couldn't. I was feeling totally empty, just lost in grief and confusion. I had hit the wall. And there was no Bible verse, no sermon, no prayer, no essay, and certainly no theological argument that was going to help me over that wall at that particular time. I was in that place where I would have either had to stop move and move backwards, give up entirely, or move forward through the wall. 
Now I'm here today. So it's obvious how this ultimately resolved for me. But it didn't resolve quickly. I spent nearly, well, I'll say three years, just to give it a figure, but I don't know exactly, wrestling the why, the what, and the what now. I would love to tell you that there's this great secret. That all you have to do is to get through the wall. But I can't. I can't tell you that there's a certain prayer or just simply allow Holy Spirit to quickly heal you during these times. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I know this can happen and does happen. And it's happened to me in the past, but it doesn't always. It's more like, as the Scripture tells us, like a refiner's fire. I remember, some of you will remember, refiner's fire, my heart's one desire. And uh, I used to sing that, you know, great, refiner's fire, nice and warm. No, refiner's fire is very, very hot. It burns away the bits that shouldn't be there in your life. It is not a good place to be. And when we sing some of these songs at times, I, I'll talk about me, sometimes forget these kind of things. No one had taught me really about the wall. And as we continue to journey through life, we'll continue to hit walls. We continue to suffer from time to time in ways that will stretch our faith. But after journeying through one wall and finding God there, our faith will be a little deeper and that God will meet us in the next one. And this, my friends, is precisely how faith grows. Without the wall and the suffering and the faith stretching it produces, we'll remain spiritual babies all of our lives. And so again, I hope that teaching you some of these things can help you. I don't know what your wall will look like or when your time will come but I know it's waiting for you. My sincere hope is that by teaching you this, teaching you that it's normal, you will not make the mistake of thinking you've totally lost your faith, but you'll be able to see it for what it is, an essential part of the faith journey. I don't think most people are going to be stuck at their walls for years like I was. Like me, you'll have to do whatever it takes to go through your particular wall. But unlike me, maybe you will feel you receive permission to doubt, to question, to wrestle, to be depressed and angry and frustrated and discouraged. Perhaps, unlike me, you'll know others who've been there and have merged their faith, not only intact, but deeper than ever. I don't want, you, uh, don't want to go and do you the service of being anything less than completely honest about the wall. It's an agonizing place to be. But it gets you, perhaps for the first time, in a, to a place where you are beyond yourself. You can't put the pieces back together and have nothing to rely on except the only one who knows what to do with all these pieces. The wall is a horrible experience, but waiting there for you is God in deeper fullness, deeper reality deeper richness, deeper love, deeper grace than you could ever have previously known. And the way through the wall, 
truth, honesty, reality. To whatever extent we meet the world with denial, with falsehood, with lies we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel spiritual, in the old ways that make us comfortable, we'll not find God, but only more falsehood, creating even more layers to wrap around the false self that we are at times. The wall can strip more layers of falsehood away from you than anything else if you let it. The wall is what um, frees you from what St. John of the Cross called the seven deadly spiritual imperfections of beginners. And it's going to come up on the screen now. And this is all of us at times. I don't know if that's another one telling us about postage arriving, but never mind. You can see it anyway. First one there is pride. The tendency to condemn others and be impatient with their faults. The idea that only certain people can teach me. Avarice. Discontentment with the spirituality God has given them, always striving to advance rather than learning to rest in God. Luxury. Taking more pleasure in the blessings of God than in God himself. Wrath. Being easily irritated, lacking sweetness and patience. Spiritual gluttony, resisting the cross and choosing spiritual pleasures like children do. Spiritual envy, feeling unhappy when others do well spiritually, always needing to compete. And sloth, running from hard things. Their aim is spiritual sweetness and good feelings. God will use your wall to begin to free you from these things. And as I say, you go through more than one wall. So you're not going to be perfect by any means as you go through one wall. It's a continuous process. But as you go through that and, and rid yourself of some of these, then what freedom this is, what freedom that is. Before I told you that I wish I could give you a quick fix for your wall, but I couldn't. I can give you three guiding principles, though. To journey through the wall, we must accept that walls are part of the faith journey. It's not something that you only get if you're not good enough or whatever. Everybody goes through the wall. Pay attention for God at the wall. It's tough, but he is there with you. And you'll get glimpses as you're at your personal wall. And don't think you are going to be able to get through that wall all by yourself. Let go of that power and control. Something probably I felt found the hardest thing to do. As I said at the start, normally I start with scripture. We're going to end on a couple of scriptures uh, today. The first one uh, is in Peter, and, and I chose this. So many scriptures on, on refiner's uh, fire here, but, but I really like this one and it, uh, for this particular talk. It says this, Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. 
When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your goal, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. <laughs> Great words. And then one, you, many of you here will be familiar with this particular passage, but I think it's very apt with what the, the wall is all about. And it says this, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Freedom is found only through truth, through journeying, journeying through the wall, not ignoring it, denying it, or turning back. There was uh, some lyrics of a <coughs> Christian songwriter about 15 years ago, and it, it just, he wrote it just after he'd got a divorce, sadly. So he's going through his uh, wall at that time. And it, it says this. It says, looking up, crying out, raging, shouting, letting it all come out. Now, those particular words look like heresy, like sacrilege, like compromise to someone in the springtime of faith's first encounter. But to someone spending winter at the wall, it's precisely where salvation lies. Now, to end with, uh, I just want us to have a bit of time and quiet and thinking. Uh, some of you here, I know, will have been through walls yourself. Uh, and some of you may be at a wall at the moment. But uh, this is uh, one song that I played a lot, uh, even though at times I, I struggled with actually believing at times when I was going through my particular wall, but, uh, but it was good. It's good to be reminded of, uh, of God being the potter molding you through these experiences. So I'll let it play. I still remember when I heard you call me by name I'd follow you anywhere, knew I could trust you in anything And now sorrow beats down on me, waiting for you to come through Along with my questions, I'm dry and cracked open. I thirst for you, and as I fall apart, come flood this desert heart. Fall like the rain, living water. I know your way.
And now the enemy is afraid of what you're making me. My world is breaking me. Your love is shaking me. And now the enemy. 